Hey everybody, you've reached the Mayfair Podcast. I'm Eric. And this is Josh. It is Tuesday, September 21st, and we are recording before other folks get to the Mayfair today, and Eric was just looking up a nerd sale on his phone, and I said, wait, let's talk about this on the podcast. Yeah, and I couldn't like figure it out quickly enough, but basically, so my friend sent me an auction listing for the actual vehicles from uh, Mad Max Fury Road. Which is, as they point out, a once in a lifetime opportunity <laughs> to buy these. So it's for sale by offers, which is, isn't that what every auction is? I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. So who owns these cars? Is that, I forget who Mad Max is, Warner uh, Brothers or uh, whatever? See, that's a good question. Like, it doesn't specifically say, I mean, it says a lot of things, but it doesn't, I'm assuming this is like a consignment maybe type thing, because it doesn't specifically say who owns them now, but the auction includes 13 vehicles. So, like, I don't even... There isn't a price listed, but I mean... I wonder if they're... That's going to be a lot. Are these working vehicles? Can you drive these down the street? Or are they just destroyed prop vehicles? That's a good question. I mean, it, it like, kind of seems like... Like, they look like... I mean, at least some of them seem to be usable. Because that's the cool thing about Batman 66 and Batman 89. And I guess the Christian Bale stuff, too. But, like, they were real working, driving down the street vehicles. Yeah. The Christian Bale one is a tank, so probably not so much. But, yeah, not easy to drive. But like but... Ecto-1 and the DeLorean and all that stuff. So I wonder if these Fury Road cars, if they are, if some crazy millionaire can buy them and still drive it to the grocery store. Man, it really makes you like, this is one of those things that you see where you're just like, boy, I want those things. And you're like, wait, even if I had <laughs> had the money, like, what do you do? With the, like, uh, I suppose if you could drive them, then we'd just be driving them all the time. But Well, there's people who <laughs> create their own Ecto-1s or Back to the Future DeLoreans and Batmobiles, I think, and drive them around. But it becomes like a full-time job of a hobby and I'm sure crazy expensive. And you have to know what you're doing. Like you have to be a mechanic. But I've seen it once where it was around Comic-Con season here in town or it was around a car show. But I just 100% have seen both the Ecto-1 and batman 66 car mm. just driving down the street yeah in ottawa and it's it's quite the thing it melts your brain a little bit yeah it seems weird like I, i've definitely seen the uh the delorean somewhere like i mean in ottawa but like yeah. at some point i just but it it's so surreal that you don't really fully get it you're just like did that yeah. happen like, <laughs> yeah i haven't seen the 60s batman car here i mean i i'm i know it was at the comic-con which i saw pictures of but i'm not gonna count that as me actually seeing it that- and that was a real that didn't come on the back of a flatbed. Like, that drove to the Comic-Con Man. and drove into the convention center and then set up its spot and people got to go sit in it for 10 bucks or whatever you charge. We're, because, like, when I was in L.A., we definitely drove by... I think it's George Berry was the name of the guy. And we went by his shop. I don't remember if he's still alive. My brain wants to say he's not, but I'm not I'm not sure about that. But So we went by his studio. They didn't have the 60s Batman car there at the time, but he did, like... A bunch of, I want to say like the Green Hornet car. I can't remember, but he did several like iconic car designs. Just a cool guy, basically, and like you know, so they'll always have some neat car up in uh, up in you know the window that you can see on your way by, and it must be sort of blasé to people who live there or live in the neighborhood and stuff. Yeah. But it was still cool, even if we, he didn't have the Batmobile at the time. It's like, wow, this is this is fun, you know. This guy knows what I like. I forget the name of the show, but on Disney Plus when it came out. Not to plug Disney Plus. There's a really cool geek show just with this collecting geek going around. And one episode will be about Tron and one will be about Mary Poppins. And he's just showing all these cool old props. 
and at one point or a couple points during the show, he goes into the Disney warehouse. And I don't know how big this place is. Like the Indiana Jones warehouse, basically. Essentially, yeah. <laughs> like it's a football field long and it's just filled with a century's worth of animation and live action treasure. And just every time you turn around, you're like, oh, there's Mary Poppins and oh, there's Tron and there's Muppet Christmas Carol and oh, there's a bunch of animation cells. And just walking through somewhere like that, like just the Nostalgia Warehouse here in Ottawa, which is just an awesome little store. Mm -hmm. But you walk through that store and you feel like it's a museum and you're like, oh, wait, I can buy all this stuff. So just imagine that times a hundred. Yeah, I couldn't. Uh, man i couldn't even well and plus like it's not like you can buy stuff at that disney warehouse you know no. so you're just like going around torturing yourself constantly looking at things and you're just like this is amazing but it's too much for my brain to handle i think they do tours i'm not sure or you can like weasel your way into a tour if you somehow ask the right person and are there at the right time yeah but like because i mean you could look but it's not like they want you rooting around in no, there too yeah. <laughs> so like, i almost feel like that'd be torture doing the tour because you're gonna be like oh like look look at that mickey corpse over there or something like that i don't know look at the muppets uh that severed muppet head i don't know why mine are all like weird <laughs> why, why are you killing muppets yeah, creepy death stuff but i mean you know they're, they're 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 muppets well gwen and i went to a museum in seattle that i think is called it's, it's called like M-Pop. It's like Museum of Pop Culture or mm. something like that. So they've got all kinds of music stuff there, of course, because Seattle's a big music town. Mm-hmm. They had a Pearl Jam exhibit. <laughs> and then they had a, a specific horror exhibit at the time that had Freddy, Jason, Critters, which scarred Gwen for life. And we got to take <laughs> a picture and send it to Mick Garris, and, and he liked it. And But that kind of museum is, yeah. is just... Like, I, I'm, I'm more happy in that than probably walking around like the Louvre, you know, (laughs) like just seeing that kind of treasure. I hope they had like a Frasier wing as well. Like it's in Seattle, right? Like you got to have, I don't know, like like a Niles bobblehead or something. And it was right behind the Space Needle. Okay, there you go. So we went to the Space Needle, which was, was awesome. And then went to that afterwards. But yeah, I love those kind of, I wish our local amazing National Art Gallery would do a bit more pop culture stuff like that mm-hmm. sometimes because every once in a while there will be a looney tunes warner brothers touring show or a pixar touring show mm-hmm. but it never seems to hit here we also went to see the Gamble del toro one oh, in right. toronto which was spectacular talk about just going through someone's basement like yeah. it was it was just his stuff it was just guillermo's stuff but because he's Guillermo del Toro, he has cooler stuff. Yeah, well, and I know they had uh, some of the Cronenberg stuff was here briefly, but not uh, necessarily at a museum. I know, like, because it was at the Conservation Institute, CCI. And so they had just like some rent. I don't know if they were just like holding on to it in the interim or whatever, because I think the main thing was in Toronto where they were, sh- it was like a big exhibit or whatever. But then I think it was for um, Doors Open Ottawa. I happened to go because my wife used to work there. And so we went and they just happened to have like some of this, you know, like a little, like, I don't remember what all there was, but like a, the fly model or something like that and some neat stuff. So it's just like a handful. It's not one room, but it, for me, I was just like, whoa, like you, it's not, it's not an old map. Like that's a, that's a yeah. creepy creature. I like that. <laughs> and we went to the Tim Burton one years ago in Toronto as well, which was pretty awesome because it had everything. It had Nightmare Before Christmas and Pee Wee <laughs> And Beetlejuice and Batman, and just all Weenie. these. Yeah, I did it have Frank. It might have had Frank and Weenie. It had some of his old stuff. Like right. It, it had some of his old, his early like cartoon or stop motion stuff. I guess basically. Yeah, but that was that was pretty neat too. And it's good nowadays because not that long ago, like I'm saying, guessing maybe even the 1970s, no one cared about this stuff. 
that's what happened with Batman 66, right? Where the show got canceled and right away the powers that be were like, tear down the sets. Yeah. And then NBC was like, oh, we'll do a fourth season. And they were like, too late. The sets are gone. Yeah, it was so, it, it almost felt spiteful. Like, oh, I yeah. don't know if that's deliberately what it was, but it, it, but yeah, it was almost as quickly as they could get it apart because you're just, I think that's what it was. You're just like, well, we don't want someone else having our stuff. So yeah. just destroy it so no one can enjoy it. And we could have had a fourth season of Batman 66. Yeah, and everyone complains about season three being like ridiculous, you know, with the Joker's got a flying saucer and all that <laughs> stuff. But I, I mean... It was a ridiculous show. So yeah. it's like, I mean, I want to see him in, in space or, or going back in time, you know? Why not? But nowadays, anytime a show ends, either Indiana Jones style, they're like, this belongs in a museum. Or they do an auction and a bunch of nerds get a hold of it. I remember when Battlestar Galactica ended, that happened. Or I missed it. I'm keeping my eye out for the next time it happens. But Leica Animation Studios did that a while back where I guess they come to a point where they keep what they can. But there's a point where stop motion animation every little flower yeah. pot and door <laughs> yeah. and pair of shoes everything is there so they probably keep stuff they can recycle i'd imagine but they got rid of a bunch of stuff and some was terribly expensive but some was actually reasonable and i was like oh i'd be cool to pay 40 bucks to get a little like table from a leica thing and just have it that'd be kind of neat yeah. so that's neat because i think once upon a time they just they would just throw that stuff out like mm-hmm. like anything from the old days of cinema like that's gone yeah and you just got because it is just thousands and thousands of frames a lot of stuff from i don't want to say unpopular stuff but i mean lesser known stuff with relatively little demand well that's why this was back in 2007 2008 but there was a guy selling animation cells at san diego comic-con and of course there were some there that were you know hundreds of dollars thousands of dollars but then he just had stacks of like junk and it was so amazing to go through because there were like 10 bucks, mm-hmm. you know, three for 20, whatever. And I ended up getting a couple of, at the time, I got a couple of Ewok and droids cells for nothing, for like 10 <laughs> bucks a piece. So it's nice to see that finding a nice home instead of just being thrown out. Mm-hmm. I think nowadays, everything being used in a present day Star Wars or Marvel movie, that's going to end up at Disney World or Disneyland in a exhibition or mm-hmm. or at the at the George Lucas Museum in Los Angeles or something like that. Yeah. So it's nice that that stuff's saved instead of just gone forever. I saw an auction for the original art for X-Men 1, which I think was Jim Lee. Uh, oh, yeah. And like it's the like comic the, book, yeah. yeah, the triple pane or, or quadruple pane or whatever it was. And it's like, it's iconic, but it's just so funny to me to think of like how expensive that will go for. Because like we've talked about that before, like rich nerds that are now, you know, yeah. well enough off that they're like, oh, yeah, X-Men 1. Yeah, yeah, I think I'll buy that, you know. That's become a routine because one of the Twitter feeds I follow, I just follow nice Twitter feeds, you know, nerd stuff, happy things, no politics, nothing mm-hmm. angry. And there was one that was retweeting from a auction house the conclusions and they would show the page and it's like a 1990s Jim Lee or something like that. And sometimes not even like a spectacular page. Like sometimes you're like, Oh, this is iconic. This is the introduction of a character. This Mm -hmm. is a cover. Sometimes just like a random page with Wolverine on it. And it's like, no kidding. Like (laughs) $95,000. And I'm like, who has (laughs) $95,000? Like for $95,000, you could just hire Jim Lee yeah. to draw a comic book for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's hilarious, but you see that kind of stuff. And there's not a ton of us out there, but there is that rich person who can afford that mm-hmm. and put it up on their wall. And even though people think the comic industry might be kind of dying just because of this digital age, 
it's going to live on, same as movies, because there's people doing digital at home and mm-hmm. reading or watching like that. But I think a smart comic store, just like a, a smart cinema, will survive yeah. by just kind of thinking outside the box a little bit. Mm-hmm. But Because, yeah, same thing. Like, you and I aren't going to pay tens of thousands of dollars for a 35 millimeter print but somebody out there is yeah and it's cool and i mean i love hearing about when they find like a basically unused 35 millimeter print for something that they're able to scan 8k 4k whatever copy of because i mean that's awesome but it's also it's such an undertaking and so i i almost think we're we're so spoiled by that these days that we're just sort of like oh come on someone just dropped the 100k to get this copy to scan you know like what what are you doing stop cheaping <laughs> out drop 100k we're like, yeah You know, I can't do it, but please, please, you do it. Speaking of old treasure, I got some... I couldn't believe I got both of these things. And it was hilarious because I was in the box office last Thursday. So just a few days ago. And there was an online auction closing up at 8.30. And the movie was at 9, which meant 8.30 was right when I was starting to sell tickets. And the way this auction works is if you do a last minute bid, it'll hold it over for another like five minutes. So the last person has a chance to bid on it. Mm -hmm. So it was around 835 and I'm selling tickets while looking to my left at my laptop, keeping an eye on these two (laughs) things. I want, wait a minute. And I'm like, and Gwen was laughing because she said, I'd be like, hold on a minute. I got a bid on this old projector, but I got both the things I wanted for 16 bucks each with a little bit of tax thrown on top of that. So for around 20 bucks each, I got, a Viewmaster 1970s projector. Some people may be too young to know what a Viewmaster is. I don't know when Viewmaster stopped, but they they hung on for longer than you think because Mm -hmm. there's like a Bugs Life Viewmasters or like stuff like that. Like Mm -hmm. it it, it lasted into the 2000s, I think. But so you take this little reel with, I think, eight windows on it, eight cells on it. Yeah. And you put it in and you have a, you know, it it's like a like pair of binoculars. Pair of binoculars, yeah. and you click through, and it's a little slideshow. So this projector is you plug it in, and it has a bulb inside it, and it projects on the wall, and you go through your little slideshow. I've wanted one of these forever, <laughs> and some of them online are 150 bucks with 50 bucks shipping, and I'm like, I'm never paying that. <laughs> so I got this, and then another thing popped up, and it's an old Fisher Price toy from the 70s. I got a bag of these cartridges, I think for five bucks at a flea market a while ago. And there's some movie ones like Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs and some Mickey Mouse shorts. And then there's like um, Sesame Street. But you take this long rectangular cartridge and you shove it into the side of this little gun looking thing. Rectangular one. Yeah. I've only ever seen the circle ones. And you look in it and you you scroll through it like a jack in the box Mm -hmm. or like an old timey camera. (laughs) And it's... I think maybe two minutes long, maybe a bit longer. And it's a little film reel. It's a little motion picture. Yeah. But no sound or anything, of course. So it's a little random <laughs> two-minute clip. Just from... the sound of you screeching in yeah. excitement. <laughs> but I got the black hole. So now I got this new projector. <laughs> I didn't read the fine print, so I'm not mad oh, at anybody boy, here for we this. go. <laughs> There's no cable. There's no extension cord to plug it in. Mm. So Gwen looked online and looked. And, of course, you could find anything. Sure. So we just got to get this connector to and it's a commonish connector so i can plug it into the wall and then we can watch these things on the wall but Man. i i haven't tested out i plugged in the viewmaster thing so i know it works but okay. I, I haven't like really because a while back in philadelphia we went to an amazing flea market and i got what did i get i got thriller Wee's big adventure and i think tron on viewmaster reels 
Man. So on Twitter, I put a picture on the Mayfair site, which I always try to keep movie themed. And I was like, I got this cool projector. I'm pretty sure it's 4K. Now I can watch Tron just the way that the filmmakers intended. Finally. As in a slideshow on my wall. Man, that's hilarious. That So I, I guess you realized why it was cheaper than normal. Yes. Seeing as it's missing a piece. Missing a piece. But it's a piece that I think, I think I can buy yeah. off the rack. Just a third party Future thing. Shop, mm-hmm. if not you know, from the magic of the internet. But. Interesting. Yeah, let me know what the size of that is because I feel like I have random cords. Yeah, I'm going <laughs> to. If not, I will put out, I'll tell the podcast next week. I, I forgot to write down the specifics if I don't find it by then and be like, hey, anybody out there have this model of cable for a projector? But I don't think it'll cost me $100. I think it'll be like, you know, 10 bucks or something. Yeah. But, but it's amazing to think that in the 1970s, this is what kids had mm-hmm. to occupy their time if they loved a movie. That or like a read-along album or R2-D2 beeps when you flip the page. Whereas now, there's no such thing. Because if a kid wants to watch Star Wars, you can watch Star Wars whenever the hell you want. Yeah, anywhere, pretty much, anytime. So it's it's interesting to see what held over young nerds' attention. Whereas now, we're just like in this wondrous land where we get whatever we want man i still have those records too which are hilarious because like some of the voices are pretty good but some of them are not close like the vader voice was like tear that ship apart till you find those (laughs) pawns like he sounded way more like david prowse's original voice than anything like actual vader i wonder when that was recorded that could have been recorded like while they were filming to get it out at a certain time right yeah it's just it's weird because you're pretty sure none of the voices are actually them but just some of them are just awful and you're like and i guess kids they just were like kids are dumb they're not gonna know the difference oh yeah i I look back at what movies i liked as a kid or that kind of thing you're like ah kids okay just saturday (laughs) the quality of saturday morning cartoons my favorite one is a star trek episode of the animated series where Sulu is on the away mission mm-hmm. and it cuts back to the ship and Sulu is in his seat <laughs> and you're like wait a minute but that was some fat cat smoking a cigar going ah kids are dumb no one notices that'll cost us three thousand dollars to fix ah leave it or it could have been like that that was just a hologram that you, <laughs> yeah. you didn't realize they were on the the holodeck <laughs> but can you imagine a mistake like that in a live action movie of like wait a minute, Sulu's down on the ship and we just saw him in his seat. Ah, we'll just leave it. Audiences won't care. I watch a lot of B-movies, so it's it's not that weird. They have to fix that stuff, but yeah, I I love that kind of thing. And that's why I'm always like, you can't be mad at a kid for liking something dumb because we all have dumb movies that we loved when we were kids and you look at now and you might be like, uh, maybe Flight of the Navigator doesn't hold up. (laughs) Yeah, it was scary at the time, but now it's just scary because it wasn't great. Yeah. So let's jump in to oh, talk yeah. about what we are screening. Our post-election special. Our post-election <laughs> special, September 24th to 30th. You know, I vote. I follow the system. <laughs> I appreciate it. I'm so not political. Nah. I'm not political. This I, won't turn into that, I promise. I, th- I think in my neighborhood, everything happened exactly as everyone thought it would. So no matter what you did, it's the same. <laughs> no, nah. and we're not we're not screening election, uh, so don't don't worry about that, you know. Fine movie, but yeah. uh, not, not The funny thing was last night somebody said on Twitter, I think, the Mayfair's screening Monty Python and the Holy Grail during this political event. <laughs> I love my local cinema for having a sense of humor. And anytime that happens, I'm like, yeah, we did that on purpose. <laughs> that was totally planned. We planned to put Monty Python on during the election to kind of stick it to the man. That we're all prisoners of the ghost land in a way, in that we're we're prisoners of political aspects. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. Uh, okay, so. <laughs> moving on. Moving on. The 24th through the 30th. 
a really great week as per usual. <laughs> like every other week. Like every a week, really good week. We have never played a bad movie. <laughs> Love this Prove place. me wrong. <laughs> so first up, we have a really cool looking documentary called The Truffle Hunters. Oh yeah. Which is about a bunch of eccentric old Italians looking for truffles, looking for, I think, like the rarest of truffle mm. with the help of their puppy dogs. So it's like an extension of pig, kind of. Yeah, I think it's like pig, less sad. Right, less pigs. And with a lot of lovable puppies for you to fall in love with. Yeah, this is more like dog instead of pig, basically. Yeah. Okay. And if something terrible had not happened. Mm. If something <laughs> terrible happened. Yeah, no spoilies. Who knows? Who no knows? spoilies. <laughs> so yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I love, I love a good dog movie. Then we have... Stillwater, which oh, is a yeah. dramatic thriller with Matt Damon. What catches my attention on this movie is it's directed by Tom McCarthy, who did hmm. Spotlight, won an Oscar right. for Spotlight, and did The Station Agent, which is a great movie from, God, 10 or 12 years ago with Peter Dinklage. It was kind of Peter Dinklage's big breakout film. Mm-hmm. So really great director. And this is, I admit, I've been trying to, even in putting cutting and pasting reviews over to our Facebook or Twitter or whatever, trying to avoid it because I think it's a movie with a twist. Mm. And some critics, their reviews are like as if they're in a film school class and writing a synopsis. Yeah, They tell you like, A, B, C, D, I like this movie. Other critics are smart enough to not do that, you know. But I know I kind of averted my eyes a couple times because I'm like, I don't want to know the twist because I want to yeah. see this movie. So I think it's it's a dramatic thriller with a twist. I do know it's about a dad whose college-aged kid overseas gets into trouble. Hmm. So he goes to help. So it's kind of a fish-out-of-water story that has a murder mystery plot to it, I believe. Damn. Yeah, because I, I remember reading about it when it first was coming out, and then it just kind of, it got lost in the shuffle, I think. Totally, yeah. And I didn't even, and when I hear Stillwater, I think of the band from Almost Famous. Like, that's the first, and I'm like, wow, is this a fake documentary on that band or something like that? But is I was that like, Stillwater? Yeah. I forgot about that. That's what they're called. And then I was like, oh, wait, this is the Matt Damon movie I forgot about. <laughs> that's hilarious. And sometimes, bad for the multiplexes and for the distributor of Stillwater. Mm -hmm. But a movie like that, they want to be a big multiplex hit. Sometimes it doesn't work. From our point of view, that works really well Yeah, because we kind of get it faster than we did 10, 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. A movie like this wouldn't have hit the Mayfair screen for six months back in the day. Not this year, probably. Yeah, now we get it within a few weeks. So a lot of our patrons didn't go to the multiplex to see it. Sometimes it's it, it feels like an Ottawa premiere practically. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah. So that's Tom McCarthy, who who Spotlight a couple years ago was a heavy film, but man, a great film. Yeah. Then an actual Ottawa premiere this week is a documentary called Hail to the Deadites. Oh right. Which came onto my radar because a <clears throat> lovely guy named Steve Villeneuve that I've worked with on some movies way back in the day, just as a crew member, directed this film about kind of the Evil Dead legacy and Comic-Cons and Bruce Campbell and everything. And I teased him because I'm like, dude, I have a Bruce Campbell tattoo and I'm not in your movie. Yeah, you could film your part after and then we can just like work it in there. Yeah, I'm like, I want to be at least on the DVD bonus features. (laughs) So it's a cool nerd documentary. And I always like these kind of things. I remember the movie Trekkies. They're just kind of a nice feel-good documentary about, you know, nerd culture. Mm -hmm. And it's a good kickoff because then in October for Halloween month, we're doing the trilogy. We're yeah. doing Evil Dead, Evil Dead 2, Army of Darkness. So if you're excited for that, definitely come out to see this. And Steve and his producer are dropping by Ooh. on the Friday to do a Q&A. 
So that's cool as well. Nice. Question from Josh. Why am I not in this movie? <laughs> yeah. Question one. Question two. This isn't really uh, what this is supposed to be, but all right. If you have worked with a guy who has a Bruce Campbell tattoo, why wouldn't you yeah. put him in your movie? In theory. Oh, also, fun side note, I noticed uh, they're putting out a 4K set of the Evil Dead, not series, putting out one, two, and the Ash vs. Evil Dead show, but yeah. not Army of Darkness because it's a different distributor. That's so, so weird. So at the Mayfair Theater, you can come and see all three of those movies, yeah. but you cannot buy them all together in one single set. In 4K, anyway. That's so complicated. Yeah, I know. That's a whole other kettle of fish. Hollywood's stupid. Yeah, I, I thought that was kind of funny. Like, there's going to be a lot of people who just assume it's in the set, and then they're like, wait a minute. I got three TV series and uh, not the so movie. weird. I, yeah, right? So, Evil Dead 2 does end, mm-hmm. spoiler alert, with a lead into Army of Darkness. Right. So, I guess now, the way the show works, you can just pretend that Army of Darkness didn't happen? Kind of. Yeah, it was just a bad dream. It's always a bad dream. I think... Ghost House or Renaissance Pictures, I forget, because it's like Renaissance Pictures and Ghost House is Sam Raimi and Rob Tapper. Right, yeah. I think they own Evil Dead, the not-remake-reboot kind of sequel. Mm-hmm. So I think they that could have been thrown into their box set as well, Yeah, maybe. and I, there is a 4K, like, on its own release of Army of Dead coming from, like, Arrow or Scream Factory, like, one of the big ones. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not like you won't be able to get it in 4K, it's just you cannot buy it in one set. Right. So... I got the Ash vs. Evil Dead season one for christmas i think one year and then by the time season three came out i hadn't gotten two yet just for whatever reason Mm -hmm. and it was cheaper just because of the internet it was cheaper to get season one two and three than buying as a box set yeah than buying two and three separately so now i have (laughs) season one and season one two three so sooner or later i gotta find somebody who needs part one yeah. you know it's weird when you collect and that just happens sometimes when it's cheaper to buy the box set than separately so yeah. i'm like well this is silly but i'm gonna save 40 dollars by doing it this way yeah you did the right thing yeah so yeah so do come out to see that it'll be fun always nice to get this might be our first filmmaker in attendance during post-covid time so mm. that'll be cool yeah then we wrap up our kind of mini monty python fest because we couldn't get life of brian for another weird <laughs> distribution reason yeah Monty Python's The Meaning of Life, which I didn't realize this till I wrote the little blurb for our website, which won the Grand Jury Prize at the Cannes Film Fest back in 1983 and was nominated for the Palme d'Or. I didn't know that. That's weird. (laughs) Usually comedy, I don't think, gets kind of that kind of credit at the Cannes Film Festival. Are you turning the Palme d'Or into the Palme d'Or? The Palme (laughs) d'Or, yeah. (laughs) I, I think that's a fashion line, but I don't know. One or the other. Those crazy Europeans. You never know what they're going to come up with next. So this is the final kind of official Monty Python film, although a bunch of them worked together numerous times Mm -hmm. over the following decades up until very recently. And they went back to doing kind of an anthology versus the way Life of Brian and Holy Grail were kind of linear stories from front to back. Yeah, and and Meaning of Life was the one we had on VHS as a kid. Like, that's the only one we had. We didn't have any of the TV show, nothing. We just had a VHS of that. And so that's the one I've seen the most of any of them. And it's great, but it's just, uh, yeah, it's weirdly surreal for me. Like, I have that connection. We heard some of the, like, radio shows and stuff like that, you know, but this was was the movie for me. That's always funny in that era, in the pre-streaming, pre- re-released in a theater theatrically era families all have a story like that of like oh we only had beverly hills cop two so i watched that a lot but i've never seen one in three or just just weird stories like that because of 
random finds on VHS or taping off of TV or yeah, whatever. That was Back to the Future 3 for me. And, and Temple of Doom as well, which I probably would have liked the most anyways as a kid because it's, you know, there's so much going on and it's kind of horror-y, but... Well, I look back on this and I, it blows my mind that I remember this, but, you know, when I was in high school, Evil Dead, the Evil Dead, was not as old as it is now. Mm-hmm. And B-movie distribution was a lot different. Like, it was hard to walk into video stores and find everything. So... West Coast Video down the street from the Mayfair at the time had Evil Dead 2. So my friends and I in high school watched Evil Dead 2 a lot. Then in 92, while we were in high school, Army of Darkness came out. Mm -hmm. So then we saw that. Then it wasn't until a few years later in our kind of college years, they released a special edition VHS of Evil Dead in a cool like clamshell. Mm -hmm. So my friends and I saw... Evil Dead 2 a thousand times, Army of Darkness 500 times, and then Evil Dead. And a lot of people were like that because you just couldn't find it anywhere. Mm-hmm. Whereas nowadays, you can just find everything. Yeah, and it was banned for a little while there too. Like, yeah. probably not in Canada, but, you know, overseas and stuff. Yeah. So, and it's funny too because that must have really weirded you out when you saw it because it's, it's, the second one's basically a semi-remake. Essentially, yeah. So when you're watching the first one, you're like, wait a minute. This is the same movie. Yeah, this is very confusing. And Ash in Evil Dead 1 is very different oh, God, than Ash yeah. in Army of Darkness. Yeah. And there are some fans who, I totally understand this, don't like Army of Darkness because it, it becomes right. campy and fun and goofy. I love Army of Darkness. I love all of them. Yeah. But I can see why people might not like that because they're like, no, it should be pure horror. Yeah. So yeah, so if you've seen Army of Darkness and then see Evil Dead One, you're like, that's weird. Yeah, and for, I'm I'm uh, the original is my favorite. Like that's in my top ten. Just as a horror movie, it's just so good. I do like the others, but it's it's like a different franchise, pretty much. So, but yeah, come see all of them anyway. Come see them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, then finally this week we have the original 1984 David Lynch Dune. Oh yeah. And I am waiting to see how many people show up thinking this is the Timothy Chalamet Dune even though that movie is not out yet. Yeah, that's, you know, <laughs> and, and that's confusing too because it's out in like France or something, Yeah, but not here. I, I don't know. It's so confusing. And we're doing our best to be like on our website. And if you just look at the poster, it's Kyle MacLachlan and saying 1984 over and over again. But I'm sure somebody will show up and then either just watch the movie or walk out 10 minutes and ask for a refund because they're like what this isn't the new movie yeah but i thought you were playing dune and 1984 yeah this is confusing so dune i have seen so many times just because in my high school years it was the double bill era of the mayfair and because we were kids with too much time on our hands we would just be like Oh, I want to go see Repo Man. What's the next one? Dune. Okay. Oh, I it's want to go see Dune. Akira. What's the next one? Dune. Okay. I swear that happened 10 times of just we would stick around and watch Dune because it was the second one or the first one of a double bill that was something that we hadn't seen yet. So I have seen Dune a ton because of that. And so it'll be very interesting for me to see the new Dune, which I'm sure will grace our screen sooner or later mm-hmm. the same way that stuff like king kong and godzilla has we try to get a hold of those kind of films yeah kind of a notorious movie and despite it super flopping david lynch clearly bounced back from because Mm -hmm. he's had quite the career after that yeah i've actually never seen it i was talking about that with my wife i was like do you want to see this because i couldn't i don't know if, if she's excited about the new one or not like i'm intrigued but i'm not i don't i don't have any you know dogs in that fight right like right. i just it's it's i'll see it and if it's good it's good but I, if it's not good or whatever i'm not gonna be like wow what a letdown 
I think if you're a movie nerd, it's an important movie to see, especially just because it's it's a David Lynch movie. Yeah. So even if you know the stories of it not turning out so well, it's got Kyle MacLachlan in it and Sting and Patrick Stewart and a really good score, some cool 1980s effects, you know, so there's a lot to it. So I would say if you haven't seen it, do take this chance, mm-hmm. especially with the new one coming up. Distributors often do weird things like make old movies not available when the new one comes out. Yeah. So this might be your last chance to see it in a while. And I think it's the first time, I could be wrong, but I think it's the first time we've screened it in our era, in mm. our decade or so. And it's probably the, I know they did a new transfer, so I'm assuming yes. this is like the real nice spiffy arrow transfer or whatever it is. That's what I've heard, that it looks pretty spectacular. Mm-hmm. So that's another excuse if you're a Dune fan to yeah. come, come and check it out. Man, why not? It's this weird movie that Hollywood didn't know what to do with. Because when it came out, it had coloring books. And when you go see this movie, you're like, this does not seem like a movie that would get coloring books. But I think they were just all hoping. They were like, this is going to be the new Star Wars. Yeah, and they handed out like a cheat sheet in theaters. I I don't know if you knew about that. David Lynch wrote a two-page cheat sheet of the terms of Dune so people wouldn't be lost. That's so crazy. And supposedly, people who got that in the time, they were like, it didn't help. (laughs) Like, (laughs) It's just too much plot to jam into a movie like that you know that's what a 10 year old wants walking into a movie <laughs> here you go yeah tr- and and also what i found funny is like so wait so i i have until the movie starts to memorize all this it was two <laughs> yeah. pages like it's like are the house lights on like i can't get through this that's hilarious yeah so that's that's we should probably find that right i was gonna say that's a funny curio yeah i'm gonna look for that now see if the internet has that we could hand them out before the movie yeah if that would be so good or even like yeah photocopy some put them up like that's oh be- i'm doing that as soon as i get home there i'm gonna go. go look for that i'm I'm doing it. I'm doing it. Boo. (laughs) I'm done. Okay, let's wrap things up for the week. Thanks for listening, everybody. If you're listening to this in a timely manner, we're approaching the vaccine verification time. Everybody has been spectacular about it so far. People are getting a head start. Really, I don't think it's going to slow us down too much. Kind of for the first time, if you're a member, you flash your ID and flash your verification. We give you a snazzy new card. If you're a non-member, you just show your verification and your ID. Plus the way that nowadays most people use credit cards, we can kind of take care of this while the credit card machine is clicking through its thing. That kind of takes 20 seconds. So I think we'll be okay. We're going to put the word out to please get here a bit early and all that kind of stuff. But our patrons are lovely and helping us out during these bizarre times we're all living in. Yeah, and also come out to see cinema because I'm putting on cinema on Saturday. So you'll have three days from when you hear this? Yeah, so I'll put this up soon. So if again, if you're listening to this, right away yeah i again forgot to mention it because i don't have it we don't have advanced tickets for cinema so (laughs) there's kind of no tickets for cinema yeah (laughs) so come out to cinema get here early we can only let 75 people in yeah whereas in the good old days we would let in over 100 easily it'll be a fun secret movie yeah and we we turned away a couple of people last time which really sucked and so i don't know if you were any of those people maybe come this time sorry yeah (laughs) but yeah no it's gonna be good hope and lee would ask i'm always like the closer we get to the end of the month i'm like he's got kids and a dog he's not coming out at midnight yeah yeah. (laughs) and so it's actually i feel bad for him because i know he'd love to be able to do it every single time oh yeah but i also feel great for andrew or i because for me it's like i get to show a cool movie to all my cinema friends yeah or whatever you know so yeah look look forward to that And uh, you can find updates, of course, at mayfairtheater.ca and on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And we will see you soon at the Mayfair to watch some cool movies. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye. Now I have to go and put my uh, $20 bid on those Mad Max cars. Yeah. (laughs) Can I just get one car? I can't afford 13. No. 
the most widely read, talked about, and cherished masterpiece of a generation comes to the screen. Dino De Laurentiis presents Dune. I see two great houses, feuding. A world where the unexpected Many dangers exist on Arrakis. The unknown and the unbelievable meet where kingdoms are built on earth that moves and skies are filled with fire where warriors fight with a thought and kill with a word Stop! a world that holds creation's greatest treasure he who controls the spice controls the universe and greatest terrors a world where the mighty the mad. All I can see is an Atreides that I want to kill. And the magical. The sleeper has awakened! Will have their final battle. A world called Doom. Long live the fighters! We will kill until no Harkonnen breathes Arakeen air. Doom. A world beyond your experience. Beyond your imagination.